Welcome to the Hattrick Podcast. My name is Elliot Tanti, and I'm joined by Braden Dowler-Coltman. Jordan is off tonight. Braden, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm enjoying playoff hockey. I gotta say, it is an excruciating time for all fans out there right now. Whether you are a basketball fan, a hockey fan, or even a baseball fan, it is a very tough time to be watching sports right now. Fun, but or tough, but also very fun and very exciting. We've seen some amazing celebrations from fan groups. I, I know the fan group around the New York Knicks, which I'm excited to talk to you about later, uh, is out of control right now. Uh, hey, we're going to talk baseball, we're going to talk about basketball, and of course we're going to catch up on NHL playoffs. That's your favorite sports. Right after this. All right, welcome to topic one. We're going to lead off with the NHL playoffs and We've all got lots of update on uh, the Edmonton Oilers. But before we get to that, a little bit of recency bias here. Brayden, I'm going to start with this. Toronto down 3-0, losing in overtime tonight to Florida. Uh, after the celebration that was their victory in the first round and finally getting over the hump of the first round, uh, down 3 nothing. I mean, obviously it's not over. It's not over until the, you know you lose that fourth game. But things are looking really grim right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if I learned that Toronto was in a riot right now. Your initial thoughts on this, and one, do you think they'll come back? And two, where does this leave Toronto if they don't? Okay, well, this is a, I'm glad you said riot because this is what I've been thinking lately. This this fan base needs to be they just need to be a little bit zen as as so counterintuitive as that is right now. Uh, they need to just get in the mindset of rally time. They got to get the rally caps out because they've got a long way to go. I just, I do hope that this fan base doesn't burn their city down because I, I, I feel it. I mean, heck, if, if our team, the Oilers were to face an elimination or even be eliminated at this point, you, you know, I, I understand that that's the mentality, but they need to, uh, they need to rally behind their team because it's not just up to these four guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to score. It's about the entire, the entire thing working together. Okay. Oh. But I guess, yeah, I, I feel you with a hundred percent like fans do need to calm down. They're not going to, it's Toronto. We all know the market that is there and the media uh, group that sort of sur- the, the media frenzy that surrounds it going into the playoffs. We talked about the fact that if the Toronto lost again in the first round, what was going to happen? And we all sort of said, Oh, it's going to be ugly. Does winning in the first round, but potentially losing in four or five games. I don't like to play hypotheticals here, but is that enough to save Dubas's job? Is that enough to say we're not going to like tear this down? Is it any different be uh, if you lose so quickly in the second round than if you had just lost in the first? I would think that there's enough to hold on to his position at this point, but a sweep is a hard one, especially against a team that just barely you know squeaked in to the playoffs. And this Florida team, man, like they're they're riding the high of knocking off um you know probably the biggest threat in the nhl right now in the boston bruins and then facing a second you know high-flying team in the toronto maple leafs they they've got all of their momentum with them uh man like as for dubis i i think i think he's okay but oh man like it's hard to see a team that's so primed and ready to win 
not do it. <laughs> you know, like watching Boston, watching even watching what Seattle's doing right now. The, the, these underdog stories are really coming to life. It's crazy to see teams bouncing back the way they are. You know, like the Devils had an um, amazing game today, scoring eight to four in their game. The Oilers came out with a five, you know, five one second going into the third. I really expected this out of Toronto. And and they're just they're not putting it the, they're not putting it together. Well, the worst thing about it is they are not on the day on day off schedule. Now they're going to have to wait until Wednesday to play. So they're going to have to sit in the heat of the Toronto media storm, down three nothing for an extra day. Maybe that'll be motivation for them to win Game Four. Uh, maybe it'll be you know the final piece of what's been a very interesting season. Uh, we will wait to see on that front. You mentioned the Edmonton Oilers in Las Vegas, tied one one. Not a stellar effort from Edmonton in game one. Not a stellar effort from Vegas in game two. We now The series now returns to Edmonton. How are you feeling as an Edmonton Oilers fan uh, compared to maybe where we were at in a similar place last series? I'm grateful that the team is healthy. Uh, but at the same time, this this Vegas team has, uh, has proved people long before. So not to get cocky off of that victory, the last one. So great to see everything kind of clicking and and guys like Bouchard and Bukestad really stepping it up. Um, they, but, but they, I mean, they got to keep it going. The dry settle has got to continue to be absolutely elite and unreal. Yeah. I mean, dry settle slowly becoming the story of these playoffs. He's six goals away from setting the goal scoring record for the NHL. That's playoffs, insane, man. That's which insane. Is insane. And he's the second best player on the team. Yeah. I mean, arguably the first he is, but yeah when you've got Connor McDavid on your team exactly I you know I'm left thinking a little bit about just the fact that I think if the Oilers are able to keep it together stay healthy and play that the way that they can play which we saw against Vegas in game two I mean what they have four shots coming out of the first period something like that even with score effects they only got up to 30 and you know that's a runaway game where it doesn't matter if Edmonton plays like that like they are they are Stanley Cup contender for sure let's talk about let's talk about how scrappy it got is it is it is it too much? Uh, you know, because there was a moment where like Kulak was fighting, I think Carrier, and then the camera panned, and there was like eight guys on the yeah, ground, just yeah, yeah. Kane going fuck on another guy. It, I mean, I don't think it's all. I don't think it's all that surprising. I said to a friend after the end of the first when it was four nothing, if Edmonton gets the next goal, look out. This is game is going to get out of hand, and that's exactly what I think it did. For well. It, it got close to getting out of hand. I think the referees did manage to kind of keep it in, under control by just handing out 10 minute misconducts. Like they were candy uh, Kane with 24 penalty minutes, which is hilarious um, in game two. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind it. I think it's setting a tone for the rest of the series. Look, we played one and we're one. We played two games. We're one and one. You haven't seen the best. We haven't seen the best of each other against each other yet. So gear up. It's a best of five. Let's go. I think that's kind of where we're at right now. And and it's not, it's, it's sort of to be expected. That was um, arguably our best game of the playoffs. I, I, not arguably. I think it was for sure. I think it was for sure. Uh, anything else you want to touch on in the NHL before we move on to the next topic? One well, more let's, yeah, I want to talk about this uh, fans being banned in Florida. Yeah, I, I want to talk about what this, what this means and what this actually looks like. You, you know, okay. So for the fans who context, I guess for 24 hours, the Florida, Panthers banned Canadian citizens from buying tickets to their playoff game. That's correct. Yeah. Some, some basically. Yeah. This is bullshit. 
Do you know how many Canadians live in Florida that want to go see their Toronto Maple Leafs? A lot. A lot. But then you would have a residence that you could put in. Like, I'm assuming what you have to do right. is demonstrate residency, right? You have to demonstrate. So there's a cashman. You have to be in a certain area to be able to purchase tickets to go see it. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. I just don't like it. I don't think that it's good for hockey. and I, I don't think it's good for any sport. Think about Seattle, man. How many Toronto Blue Jays fans go down there and support their fans? How many Pittsburgh, how like it was littered with Toronto fans in Pittsburgh today. Okay, but I would be very frustrated if I per se, if let's say we get to the Stanley Cup final, it's Edmonton versus Toronto. And Toronto fans are buying up uh, tickets for the games in Edmonton. I would be frustrated as an Edmontonian that I didn't have first access to my team's tickets. Particularly if then what's happening is those tickets, not suggesting this is the case, but there's certainly an option that those tickets get resold. So you've got a Canadian buying an American seat and then reselling it back to get to uh, Americans for more money. Yeah, you I have would no control of resales, but that would happen regardless. Like the Florida oh, fans. Sure. But I, I think if I'm a Florida fan, like if you've got a large enough fan base, you want to have access to buy tickets. I, I don't think it's like I understand why it's frustrating, but I don't think it's bad for the game. It, it, it's growing a local fan base and giving a local fan base an opportunity to buy tickets at tickets at their actual wholesale price, as opposed to having go forcing them to go through a secondary market, which they're you know, the money is not it doesn't mean the same thing. I think if it was like a week where they hadn't allowed them at all, then yeah, I'd be with you. 24, 24 hours. I'm less concerned about let them buy the premier tickets. Let the let the Florida fans be in the first two rows. That's what they want, right? Um, I mean, it's not like you, there's not going to be tickets for the, these games, don't you think? I mean, that's that that's the that's the only uh, catch here is that they're still available. It's just it, when I first read it, I mean, and also the media like takes it off. Like, <laughs> yeah, banning they can't cover our games. It's like okay, Toronto aggrieved. Imagine that's, that. That's wrong. Anyway, we'll follow this. I wonder if this is going to be coming something that is more standard across other leagues and or if other leagues are doing it. If you have other examples of this or egregious ticketing stories, uh, you know what? Send us a note on uh, either our Instagram or Twitter at uh, or at Hattrick, right? Or at Ordinary at Hattrick and at or <laughs> at the Ordinary Podcast Network. That's topic one. Creativity has the power to take our breath away to move us to action or reaction, to invite us to feel more fully alive. And when the creativity is coming out of the kitchen of a local restaurant, the experience has the power to do all of the above and put a smile on your face. Q Burger in Qualicum Beach on Vancouver Island is home to culinary creativity led by owners Aaron and Kevin. Together they have managed to make a local burger joint a must-stop on any trip up the central coast of the island. In fact, readers of Canadian Living Magazine recently voted it one of the top five burger restaurants in Canada. And if you're saying, yeah, but a burger joint's a burger joint, then let me ask you, what other burger joint allows you to choose between a Boomageddon, all caps, with double the beef, double the bacon, and double the cheese, and Wicked Sticky, where the roasted chicken breast is topped with balsamic reduction, roasted garlic, and fried brie, or the new Sonic Pickle Boomerito, yep, with an exclamation point. And if meat is not your treat, Consider a Brock of Ages, the Thai Tuna Tornado Wrap, or Halibut and Chips caught fresh from the ocean 10 minutes down the street that morning. 
the fish, not the chips. Put it on your bucket list. Q Burger, locally owned and operated in Qualicum Beach, BC. On to topic two now. We're going to talk about our favorite topic, our favorite topic on this show when Jordan's not here. That is, of course, baseball. It's baseball season. We're now, what, six weeks into the season? About something like that, eh, Braden? Uh, Lots of really interesting stuff going on. Obviously, new rule changes. We're going to get into all of that. But I'm going to open up to you first, Braden. Your biggest surprise takeaway, the thing that's captured your attention most uh, to start this uh, MLB season so far? Most, I'd say how still ridiculous the the umpire-like consistency is. The certain, the amount of times, there's just so much error still. And I guess you could probably say that across all sports when it comes to this human aspect of refereeing or umpiring, but this one's so blatant sometimes. And I think it, I think it's less so like balls and strikes that really gets me. It's, it's a guy arguing a call, you know, not turning around, not swearing, not nothing. And the umpire just tossing him from the game. Uh, It's that kind of stuff that I just go like, there's no objectivity anymore. It becomes, you know, uh, all about ego or all about, there's just something else there happening that I don't think is, uh helpful for the game that they're really trying to push and change in a you know in a better direction yeah i would say that the the the, the toss outs this year have been a bit all over the place i've always felt like toss outs there's this like culture around around it like some empires will allow more from other managers than others because they've been around the game longer or if you're a newer ump like i think there's aspects of the game unless you're really in the weeds of it you just simply miss and can't under, can't understand, and so it looks really haphazard. I wonder if there's a bit of a code there that we just don't get because we don't get as much baseball as you want. But I agree with you. Like, it's also incredibly frustrating when your best player or someone from your management staff, like, come you know in a big game or an important like tiebreaker in a series, gets thrown out. Um, it means you don't get to see that player, and lots of reasons that's why you're there to see it. I could particularly yeah. see it being really frustrating when you're paying to see tickets as well, too. I'm going to go down the officiating route as well, too. What I want to say is both the immense impact and non-impact that the new rules have had on baseball. And Do you like them? I really like them. And the, the impact that I would speak to, I, I say impact and non-impact. Impact in the sense that games are shorter. They are more interesting. Innings are going by faster. Baseball is much more watchable. Yeah. Uh, it's, less I, rain delays crazy I, eh? yeah, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I would also say it's really it's a, it's a lot more exciting yeah uh, but the non-impact and and you know the, as we speak right now the Blue Jays are involved in this series with the Pittsburgh Pirates who's a team that's really taken advantage of the new rule changes uh, become a really fast aggressive dynamic team and it's paying dividends for them and they're a really fun team to watch however the non-impact I would say when these rules got announced, all the old grumps, the people that have been in baseball for 160 billion years, uh, who have really held the game back for so long, made all kinds of accusations about how this was going to impact the game and hurt tri- pitchers and hurt. And it was uh, it wasn't real baseball. And in that sense, you know, I think everyone's kind of gotten used to it. Batters have gotten used to it. Pitchers have gotten used to it. This is going to become the standard. Everyone's figuring it out. Turns out you don't need to take 30 seconds readjusting your gloves <laughs> outside the hitter's box to be successful in this league. 
players figure it out. And similarly with pitchers, pitchers figure it out. Um, and so the, both the impact and non-impact of the rules, I think, has been my takeaway. You know, one of the pieces that is interesting I didn't actually realize was going to take place this year was the pitch comp. So pitchers have their own ability to call signs, which completely eliminates any, you know, uh, garbage banging from the Astros bench, any sign stealing opportunity. It, it gives them more autonomy for the calls you're going to make, but it also like it, the 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 speed in which uh pitching happens i do think has improved the game to tremendous effect so far absolutely and i think it's bringing out a new breed of pitcher those that can call their own games versus ones where catchers are doing it and vice versa too right there's going to be catchers that are going to be good at calling games and and now that doesn't necessarily have to be a part of your repertoire no i i think it's great and it's interesting there's lots of good developments here both our my padres and your jays are doing having great uh seasons and particularly yeah, a lot except the nl the NL and the AL East divisions, like the Jays would be leading in four of the six divisions right now. And yet they're what I think third in the AL East. Yeah. Why, why are they there? (laughs) I know. I know it's so unfair. Well, I mean, that's the curse of the Jays, right? Where it's always been, they're either, you know, an overpaid New York Yankees team uh, or an overpaid Boston, Boston team or both. Or a Tampa Bay Rays who are like on a absolute heater this year. Yeah, that have to that get to you know take twenty percent off uh, or pay their players twenty percent more because of the low tax rate. Anything else you want to talk about on the baseball front? Uh, I I'm just really excited for I I do think the Toronto Blue Jays have one of the best teams that they've ever fielded, and uh, it's I'm just very excited for the season, man. Yeah, it's really interesting to see where they're at at the halfway point because I think that's the best telltale sign of where they're going to end. Uh, but they're having a great season and they had a great start and the, this that's continued. So very excited to watch that. All right, that's topic two. Hey, I'm Sayer and I love Marvel. And I'm Kaylee and I love someone who loves Marvel. <laughs> and we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe or MCU in release order. There's another order. For Kaylee's first time. And Sayer's 85th. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU and me. Sam's obsessed and Kaylee's the best. MCU and me. And topic three this week, we're going to be checking in on the other sport that's in the midst of its playoffs. That, of course, being basketball. Brayden, I know that you are a big fan of basketball, and this is an important time of year for you as well let's kick it off with i think you know the series that a lot of people are watching out of the west it's lebron james versus steph curry the old men uh quote-unquote old men proving that they aren't maybe that old um fighting competing right now in a series to be the one that's going to carry uh that old man title on to the end of the playoffs uh first takes from this series and what you've been seeing from uh those two players both in the lead up to this series and in the series now um, just yeah, two legends going at it in the second round of the playoffs. This is a this is a really exciting one to watch. But it's so crazy to me still that the Los Angeles Lakers are in the playoffs. They won in overtime in the play-in to make it, and then completely upset the two seed Memphis Grizzlies. And now they're facing the defending champions and winning. They're up in the series right now. It's remarkable. What not only like LeBron James is LeBron James and he hasn't, you know, stopped being one of the greatest, but the defense that Anthony Davis has been able to provide 
the last, I mean, this series specifically, um, is what's keeping them in it right now. So moving on, uh, you know, default to you, what's the series that if people could only be watching one series in the NBA right now, which one would you be pointing to them to? Well, it's, uh, that's a good, that's a good question. I would say, I would say the Boston Philly one is a story matchup that has been going on for quite some time. And I, I think this is a, a game, you know, this is going to go come down to game seven and lots of jobs are going to be on the line. Um, you know, that's, that's one to watch for sure. Beyond that, like I'm, I'm, I think at the beginning of the season, I was hoping Denver was going to win it. I, my team right now, I'm, I'm really loving is the Phoenix Suns. Uh, and it's not just the addition of KD, but Devin Booker's really finding his own. And I want Chris Paul to win so badly. He's one of those old guys that you've been talking about that just hasn't won yet. And he, and he's been dominant for his whole career. Uh, he's out right now and they're still, I mean, I think they just tied it up uh, tonight in at home. Yeah. So uh, another series though, man, I think it's going to go to game seven. So maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing to my next question here. Who do you have winning it all? Or maybe take your team out of the East and out of the West. Who do you see playing in the finals? Uh, well, <laughs> can I just say how crazy it would be if the Lakers faced the Celtics uh, in the finals? And it could very well happen. But I'm, I'm going to go with Phoenix because I just said I want Phoenix to win. Uh, I'm going to go with Phoenix and Boston. Uh, I really do think Boston is is – the team to beat in the East Miami's going on a tear. Uh, but I think the defense in Boston could really slow down uh, Jimmy Butler and the, and the Miami heat. Yeah. So I'm going to go Phoenix, Boston, and I've got, I've got Phoenix winning it all. Okay. You heard it here first Phoenix, Boston with Phoenix raising the trophy at the end of the season. Brayden, anything else? Are you are you watching any basketball? Like, are no, you? No, a lot of the highlights just because I've been glued to the highlights for hockey, and so I've been following the teams. I know what's been sort of going on. It's I, I, and you know I've watched a little bit of end of games here and there just because uh, I've been watching so much hockey and sports that it's sort of on in the background and around. But uh, so certainly more. I'll usually will probably try to watch the finals and make a point of that this year as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been pretty wild. There's been a lot of uh, extracurricular, let me try that again, extracurricular activity in the basketball world. There's been like three head stomps. There's been a lot of nutting still happening. Mm. It's, it's gotten a little got bit wild. He got pushed. I did see it. Uh, Matt, uh, I think his name's Ishiba or Ishba. Uh, the new, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns got pushed by Nikola Yoke. Jokic tonight. I wouldn't say it's all that blatant. Definitely not as bad as uh, some of the stomping that's been happening around uh, by <laughs> said Draymond Green or even Dylan Brooks, man. That guy might have lost his job out of the NBA. Yeah, it seems like it. There's, uh, I, I've just been following that story a little bit on Twitter and it just seems like the teams are really questioning whether that's what they want on their team. And whether he's worth that investment. I think it's a good learning opportunity for a guy like that, though, who is a bit of a oh, how is he, character. He's made himself known uh, as a and you see these kinds of personalities in the NBA all the time. But it, to to call out LeBron in a series as too old, it doesn't 
do you, it doesn't do your team any service moving forward to be saying shit like that in the media. Uh, and then not kind of acknowledging it after running away from the media, running away from those comments. It, it definitely doesn't serve you. And I hope it's an opportunity for him to go back to playing basketball, which he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's a decent role player on a good team. So um I do, I do hope it pans out well for Dylan Brooks, but it's just easy to hate him in these kinds of scenarios, just like it is for Draymond Green. The only problem is the team's not winning. So yeah, how do you help your team win on the court instead of off the court where you're actually just making it worse? <laughs> well, and actually where we've seen Draymond Green get into the most problematic situations and most trouble is when his antics have led to losses. Uh, and That's right to the, the finals against LeBron. I, I forget how many years ago it was, but that was a good example of that. And that nearly cost him his job as well, too. So that's a good... But the self-awareness is different, right? The self-awareness right. is Draymond Green. People love to hate him. And they do. They hate Draymond Green. He is a personality, but he has enough self-awareness to go, am I helping the team or hindering the team in this moment, right? The Memphis Grizzlies were... They were bound to be one of the best teams all year, then they ran into trouble with John Morant and his flailing guns around and, and all sorts of other distractions that took place. Dylan Brooks didn't, you know, he didn't, yeah, he didn't just rein it in and, and help the team. They got a press reset. I wouldn't say on the players that they've got necessarily, all of them. Dylan Brooks is gone for sure. They've made that known. But um, Memphis will come back. Memphis will come back from this. Well, there's so much more to see and hear about in the upcoming, uh, well, next heading into next season, but even in the next couple months as we watch these NBA playoffs. Thanks for your insight into that. Guys, if you want more information on all the great podcasts available at the Ordinary Podcast, go to OrdinaryPodcastNetwork.com. We've also got great merch up there. Don't forget to get your Tanty polling uh memorabilia we've got hats all kinds of stuff jordan's always thinking up new and creative things to be putting on there we've also got links to all of the great podcasts that make up this outstanding network uh including i believe there was a race this weekend uh and so you know our f1 podcast will be covering that as well long live red bull on behalf of Brayden, <laughs> on behalf of Brayden, myself and jordan have yourself a great week that's after Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey. 
and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.